Ladies and gentlemen, Tyler Blackett and Kenny Jackets, welcome to Worldy. Ladies and gents, welcome to episode 24 of Every Goal of Worldy, and fantastic to have Mr. Andy Roberts with me once more. Hello, how are we doing? I'm doing very well. You might have noticed there we're starting the show with our brand new intro. Snazzy, isn't it? Our snazzy new intro produced by uh, Nightjar Local Reading Band, and we're very pleased to have them on the pod. Thank you very much, Nightjar. Yes, thank you very much. Uh, links to their fantastic music in the description. So, another week has passed, Andy. And in this week... Holy shit. Oxford have got themselves three of those points in the bag. Yes, uh, this only the second time this season. Well, well, well. And they've lifted themselves off the bottom after Plymouth were very excited last week to get themselves off the bottom and now back down there. Yeah, lots more to talk about Plymouth later on in the show. <laughs> well, I feel a little bit bad for them, but then again, I don't feel that bad because Oxford have finally managed to get themselves off the bottom of the table. So... Spoiler. Go on. Plymouth. Are they really? Well, I was going to say, this is this has sort of pangs for me of when Reading beat Hull, yeah. and I got a little bit excited, uh, and then realised that all it tells us is that we're better than one team in the league. Yep. It was better than no teams in the league. Exactly. I really think so. So... Uh, you went down to the Kassam earlier today, and mm-hmm, give, yep. us, give, us the, give us the lowdown. Right, okay. So, I mean, coming into this game was... Uh, so, since the last podcast, um, Oxford... A really good away point at South End. I think we we signed off the last podcast. Me talking about how um, unenthusiastic I was about that game, just because we never we never win at South End. Yeah. Um, but we come away with a point, nil nil. Got a clean sheet. Um, really, really, really good stuff. Um, interestingly, that. Um, Carl Robinson changed the formation a little bit. Obviously, one of the big criticisms that uh, that had been thrown around uh, by everybody is that it's one thing he just wasn't doing. He wasn't changing the setup. He was just going with exactly the same uh, for formation that, that he had throughout the whole season with the kind of the four, two, three, one. The funny thing is, I think I was complaining the exact opposite of Paul Clement for changing the yeah, team yeah. too much. So we're never happy, aren't we? We're never really? happy, no, exactly. Um, so anyway, he did. He changed the, the, the formation around a little bit and, and had some success. And, and I mean, I wasn't at the South End game, but by all accounts, it was a... So what a was the formation, sorry, for South End? Um, uh, do you know what? I, as I wasn't there, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. If it was the same as today, and of a sneaky suspicion it was, yeah. it would have been four. Well, essentially, four, one... Mm-hmm. No, I'm going to say four. Here we go. You could call it four three three, right? Yeah. But we had a holding midfielder, then kind of two central midfielders, and then two very wide attacking players, okay. who you could argue were wide strikers. So they're kind of part yeah, of the three. Yeah, yeah. So gotcha. could, you could call it a four five one, or you can call it a four three three. Yeah. We can call it a four one two two one. Um, I mean, you know, it's all a bit nonsensical, really. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so so they changed that for they changed that formation. Um, um, the most interesting thing, though, though, is is the solidity at the back. Um, and this is one of the things that I've gone to. Um, Massinho now regularly starting. Yeah, and Massinho actually playing in front of the defenders. Oh, so okay. He, he playing. There've been been people advocating that for quite yep, some time. Sure. Actually, that's a, I think I understand he's playing a little bit like that for Burton um, when he was playing there. Um, and and you know one of the things that does do is it cancels out his 
the the risks of his mistakes because he does make mistakes. Sure. I think he'd be the first to admit that. Um, but being the last line of defence, that's a problem. Um, that has been that eradicated because he has two centre halves behind yes. him. Um, so what he does do is he provides a really, really, really kind of good. Um, properly solid bit of screening um, for the centre-half. So that extra layer of protection, because that's one of the things we were talking about last time round, is that, you know, um, we were saying it's in Carl Robinson's... A lot of the problems are in th- things that were within Carl Robinson's power. He was saying, you know, we're making all of these mistakes. What can I do? I can't do it. I can't stop players making mistakes. They're not coached to make mm-hmm. mistakes. Well, I said, well, actually, yes, you can, because you can change the change the way the game is played so that those mistakes are less costly. Sure. And ironically, that's exactly what he then went and did by putting Massinho in front of the defenders yep. because his mistakes are therefore much less costly. Sure. And yeah, so, nice. so, that, so that is exactly what... That's exactly the kind of the point I was trying to make back then. Um, so... So that that's made a, that was made a massive difference, and he was immense. Um, interestingly, because obviously we talked about the comments that um, Carl Robinson made about Jamie Hansen. Yes. So Jamie, that would be naturally where Jamie Hansen would play. Um, but Massinho, I mean, to be fair, I don't. I think I think Hansen has not been played. Yeah, but do you, ha- you have Hansen, Massinho, and uh, Brannigan all? And, and and maybe even uh, Baptiste playing yeah, in that position. Yeah. Yes and no. I mean, because when I, I Brannigan and Baptiste certainly um, aren't defensive midfielders. Right. They were just um, playing there. They were just. They were kind of. They were kind of. So it, again, it's that thing I was saying before about how we, we were struggling to get link up between the defensive midfielders yeah. and the attacking midfielders. Having those guys in there, the Baptiste and Brannigan, kind of was a, was a way of trying to do that because you're you're bridging that gap if you like. Um, so 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 it wasn't a huge problem. It's just, maybe Carl Robinson's some kind of genius. No, no, he really isn't. <laughs> maybe it's just, maybe it's a Catanazio, you know. Have, maybe that's what he's going. Have for. a listen to his post match interviews. <laughs> the man is not a genius. Um, the but no the point. But 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 what we've what we've now done is that is that we've now got a, a defensive midfielder. Yeah. And we have two central midfielders right in front of him, and all of a sudden there's there's not this fucking great big gaping hole between mm. those two, which I've, I've talked about at length. Yeah. Over previous podcasts, so we've now got. Much more link-up play between the back line and the front line, okay. which is really good. So, um, so that was a that's a that was a big deal. Yeah. Um, again, I can't talk for the South End game, but that certainly worked uh, worked in our favour today. Um, I'm not going to talk about Tuesday night because it doesn't fucking matter because it's the worst tournament in the whole fucking universe, apart from maybe the Champions League. Nations um, League. Something like that. No, I quite like that. You like this? <laughs> I mean, I haven't watched a single second of it, but I'm sure it's. I think before. actually, I've just I've just come up with this while we're talking. Right okay, now. we're going to talk about the England game at the end of this podcast. Okay, that's fine. That's right. <laughs> our, our 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 origins were in, exactly. in the World Cup in following England, so exactly. that's fine. So coming after the South End draw, we were going into Plymouth at home. It's a massive game. It's so a must-win it, it game. It is massive the game. So Carl Robinson uh, midweek fucks fucking pisses everybody off, right? Um, because Gavin White. Our Northern Ireland international. Don't matter uh, if it's brown or white. Exactly, yeah. uh, Gavin White, who is absolutely superb, um, goes away on international duty. Um, Carl Robinson then goes. I uh, basically says he 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 says in, a, in an interview that, that he he'd contacted Michael O'Neill, the Northern Ireland manager, said, "I want I, can we request Gavin White to come back?" Okay, um, and. Michael, well, in fact, actually, he apparently he texted him and didn't receive a response or an immediate. He didn't response. get two blue ticks, um, and he got uh, yeah, quite. Um, but he got then got 
then did, he, he did Carl Robinson get ghosted by Michael O'Neill? Well, I mean, to be fair, you would, wouldn't you? <laughs> um, but he, but anyway, so he, he, he but that's not the point. That's not the problem. The problem is he went off then, then went off into into the press and basically said that it's outrageous that they're not, you know, particularly if they don't play him, if he sits on the bench, it's outrageous that that he goes away. Yeah. Um, and he actually says the only reason that that um, Gavin White is in the Northern Ireland. Um, squad is because of us because we signed him which is bullshit because when we signed him Carl Robinson made a big point about the fact that we there was a whole fucking queue of clubs including those in the championship it's just, it's just classic ego it fucking nonsense it so, it? so it was nothing to do with us so he would have been playing in international I'm absolutely sure of it yeah. he may have gone to an even better club and played even more and played even better and, and be starting yeah. by now we just don't know that um, but secondly one of the things he says he says that if they didn't have any injury problems, if they didn't have the injury problems they had, Northern Ireland, White wouldn't even be in their squad. And like, he's just fucking, how dare you say, I mean... Why is why, he so keen why, to undermine his own players? I, it's just, he just does it all of the time. What, it's is, unbelievable. what is wrong with he the guy? He just does not think. And interestingly, Michael O'Neill made a big point when he, he responded to this. Um, and he said, he said he doesn't, he just doesn't, you know, um, basically, Carl Robinson needs to think before he speaks. Did he say that? He did. Amazing. He said that, and like, and he he just came across much more calm and rational. Yeah. Anyway, I, I'm gonna I'll stop talking about that because I could go on about it for hours. Yeah, and I'm um, still trying to get you to talk about the Plymouth yeah. game. Yeah, um, and and and, and all the United fans have all heard all of this by now. Anyway, um, so yeah, so Plymouth. Um, yeah, I I mean I think me and everybody else basically everybody was looking at this as shit or bust for Carl yeah. Robinson if we lost today would have four points adrift at the bottom of the table um i don't i don't know that he could have come back from that um, so ter- decent turnout uh, well, the there, was, uh, there was there was seven thousand three hundred in total. One thousand okay. two hundred of those were Plymouth fans. That's a good effort. For the Plymouth well, fans. It, it is a good effort, but Plymouth were very well supported away from home. Mm. Um, partly because nobody lives in Plymouth anymore. It's um, a disparate society, isn't it? And, and and also, actually, this is their second closest away match. That which is mental. <laughs> that is mental. Yeah, Bristol Rovers will be their closest, Jeez, and we're their second tough, closest um, uh, away match. So yeah, so this is this is a local one for Bloody them. Hell. Yeah, yeah. So, but no, it was. They, they. To be fair, they they are followed in really good yeah. numbers. Plymouth. They're they're it's quite it's quite a good little club. To be fair, um, if a bit weird. Yeah. Um, the, but yeah. So it was basically <laughs> shit or bust anyway. Um, and um, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I wasn't confident this morning at all. Um, so to get into the game now, so um, I think we play. We started off playing pretty well. Um, I think straight away it was very clear. Marcus Brown come back from injury, so yeah. West Ham Loney. He was absolutely superb all the way through. So today this game. there was Brown, White, and Holmes today, right? Um, Brown, no, White was on international. Oh, of course, duty, yes, duty. Sorry, yes. So it was, uh, it was Brown and Holmes, and then yeah. um, uh, James Henry. Yeah. Um, in uh, James James Henry and Brannigan effectively in the kind of mid middle midfield roles. Yeah. Bassinio at the back. My man Ruffles got a game. Ruffles at left back had a fantastic game. He oh, had a really he had a difficult game as well because their 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 right right sided players were really good and they got forward down the right quite a lot and Ruffles did really okay. really well. I'm really a big fan super. of the Ruffles. Yeah, me too. Um, and uh, and up front Jamie Mackey. Oh yes. Now I'll, I'll start by talking about Jamie Mackey. Excuse me, I'm going to clear my throat briefly. Uh huh. Yeah. So Jamie Mackey is not 100% fit in terms of his conditioning. He's a, he's a he's a big lad. Yeah. He's he's blowing by about kind of 25 minutes into most games. Sure. Um, he ran their defence 
completely fucking ragged. He was in their faces. He was he was constantly giving them jip, basically. To, I think that's a technical... He's a hard-working player. Yeah, and that's a technical football term. Giving, giving the centre-halves jip. They they fucking hated him. And he yeah. had a magnificent game. Honestly, he, he, he played really well. He played so hard. He got the Man of Match Award as and well. scored after really four good. minutes, right? He scored after four minutes. So, yeah, it was a breakaway. So, James Henry is a real favourite yeah. of mine. I think he's a superb player. I think he's been played in kind of slightly wrong positions quite a lot throughout this season. Um, but it's a signature of Carl Robinson's management style. Quite. And uh, But he was playing, effectively playing central midfield and he was kind of running from deep, which is not, not his position, but he had some space to run into. Yeah. Um, so he had a nice little run forward, tried to feed the ball through to uh, to, to Mackie. Defender got in the way, but Mackie then just wouldn't leave him alone. Nice. And then kind of the full ball then eventually kind of broke to him um, and he just slotted it home from about, I think it was about 12 yards or something like that. Um, yeah, really well worked goal, really early goal. I saw the uh, I saw the the notification popped up on my phone and I was like, oh my god, they needed that goal. Yeah, big time. <laughs> like, um, I could imagine the atmosphere changed like as soon as they got that. Early yeah, goal. To, be, to, to be fair though, the, the the crowd were right behind players Good. from the word go. Um, and it was you know, so it was it was a reasonable atmosphere given that we only had about six thousand fans yeah. in. Um, but yeah, so that was, but that that helps that settle the nerves a little bit. Um, one of the things that we noted straight away is that we were worried that we hadn't kind of kicked on some momentum. Yeah. And after a while, we started allowing them to get back into the game a little bit. Okay. Um, one of the things that the biggest concern for me, that I, you know, I take this concern out of the game even after the, the end result, is the amount of chances we allowed them to have in the first half because they did get chances. Right. Um, and thankfully for us, their finishing is worse than ours. Um, and they had some really good chances. They blazed wild over the bar and all that kind of stuff. So, so I mean, the first half looked to be heavily Oxford dominated. Uh, I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was heavily dominated by us. I think they definitely had spells. I think we were the better side. There's yeah. no doubt about. It. I think we were good for our lead. We had more in the way of chances. We had more in the way of possession. Um, but Plymouth definitely created some threats from okay. time to time. Um, they. But yes, we went in, we went in at half time one nil up, um, uh, and I think the, the the only concern for me was the fact that we were letting them, we were giving them chances. Second half, um, I thought we were magnificent. Ricky Holmes uh, really turned the wick up. Second nice. half, I think he had, had some a, space to show his show his talent. Yeah, and actually just just a will to get forward, and I suspect he was probably told to do that. So he he just kind of he would pick the ball up and he would motor off towards nice. the edge of the penalty area. So he was he was doing that. James Henry continued to do that. Both of them were having shots from distance, which was really nice to see. Marcus Brown constantly being a pain in their ass as nice. well. Um, so I think so, when you do play. <laughs> you, when you do play inferior opposition mm-hmm. it gives you a chance to actually have a look at your players a little yeah. bit because they're not under that constant pressure and yes I understand that kind of doesn't make sense because they are going to be under pressure every time but I think it lets you know that you do at least have players that can do something in the right conditions yeah you know? and you know what weirdly we, we we saw that against Sacrington Stanley when you came yeah. along yeah. When, when a side gives Oxford space we have got the talented players to go out there and really cause some problems yeah. um, and, and I think you can make that space for yourself with a little bit of hard work and pressing and everything else yeah right? and, that, and that's what Gavin White is really good at and that's what Marcus Brown is really good at I mean actually to a point so is uh, Ricky Holmes but Ricky Holmes kind of comes in and out of games a little bit um, 
but that's definitely what Mackie was doing as well in this game. Yeah. He was creating so just by by running the defenders really fucking ragged, basically. Um, our second goal was great. Um, it was a it was stabbed home from short range. Um, I think I th- I, off the top of my head, I, th- I think it was a corner. <laughs> I can't remember. Anyway, the ball was bouncing around the penalty area. Um, Jamie Mackie again. He laid it off. Yeah. Could have had a shot, but he laid it off for Curtis Nelson, uh, centre half, who then just slotted home really great from, from somewhere in the 70, 70th minute or something near there. I think yeah, nice and time to score. It was a lovely time to score because they, they would uh, we were we were talking at that point. We were saying what time, what what minute do we reckon their equaliser is going to come? Ninety <laughs> four. It had that minutes? feel. About yeah, it, yeah, it did. Um, but. But yeah, in, in, uh, Curtis Nelson uh, uh, is a former Plymouth, but actually so is Jamie Mackey. Both of them are former Plymouth players, but Curtis Nelson had a really long time, a really long career. Yes. He was their c- club captain. He was like a, I think he's a well-respected figure at, okay. at Plymouth. So um, that usually happens to us, so it was nice that it was happening um, to, <laughs> to, to another team. To be team. fair, I think Jamie Mackey could go half the clubs in the country and have yeah, some kind of history. Right. Royals fans right. will remember him scoring a, a few goals. I think he got five for Reading. Yeah. Um, he, I mean, he looked absolutely knackered um, by the <laughs> end. But I, I will say that um, Plymouth were... Plymouth were, were poor. Uh, the second goal game, in, and they 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 just gave they up. Gave up yeah. They gave They they just gave up, and they looked they looked like we have done in 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 other in yeah. other games this season. They were just they were just completely beaten, um, and. You know, it's it's nice it's nice to not be on the receiving end of that for 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 a change. Well, it is. At least you know. At least you know you're gonna. You've got maybe six points for the season. Yeah, one of the uh, yeah, Jan Songo, um, one of the yes. uh, Plymouth players. He he deserves a, a a really really quality mention. So he was on a yellow card, a yellow card that he picked up in the in the first half. Um, by this time the game was two 0 It was kind of running towards the end. Maybe the 80th minute or something like this. Mm-hmm. This happened. Um, uh, Ricky Holmes kind of kind of gets clear. No, it wasn't us. It was Jamie Mackey again, kind of down by the touchline on where the kind of the side of the penalty area meets the touchline yeah. uh, by the the goal line rather. And <clears throat> Mackey just kind of turns the ball inside, and Songo comes f- <laughs> absolutely flying in and takes Mackey right out. I mean, he's nowhere near the ball. Right. That was. His in- entire intention yeah. is to rip through this guy. Um, Hate for, you had enough, basically. Yeah, yeah. For somebody who was on a yellow card already, it was the most <laughs> utterly fucking ridiculous challenge I have ever seen in my life. And so I just turned to, to Rosie next to me and I said, that's a guy who doesn't want to finish this game. He, he has had enough. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, is a yeah. deliberate, fuck this, I'm getting sent off. And then, right, this guy, he then starts walking off. And then as he's sort of about 25 yards away from kind of the half halfway line where he's coming off the pitch, he then starts actually walking towards the halfway line, but away from the touchline. So he's it's like, what, some, and so the people on the side of the pitch are beckoning him off. So, like, you you fucking got to come off, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he wasn't coming off. And I, so there's something going on there. That's there's something is. going on Interesting. there. Interesting. There's some kind of like, kind of player revolt there yeah, going on okay. or something. Well, I wouldn't be but, surprised. But, but, I mean, if I was, if I was Plymouth fans, I would have been absolutely fucking furious mm, with that guy. I, um, I mean, I don't, I don't know how, how big a player for him, for for them he is. How how popular he is there in general. But that was that was that really right, really fucking shoddy. Um, so <clears throat> after the game, 
Uh, anything from Carl? Uh, so Carl Robinson actually didn't do the post-match interviews. Okay. He, said he sent Sean Derry out to do them. Um, oh, Sean Derry? Yeah, yeah. I remember that, lad. Yeah, so he... Um, I didn't realise he was part of the setup. Yeah, yeah, so he's the assistant manager. Okay, so, yeah, yeah. I remember he, him down at Crystal Palace for a long yeah, time. Yeah, he gets he gets sent off as much as Carl Robinson <laughs> does. Um, but he was significantly more composed, sensible, yeah, rational, okay. and, and it was the right thing to do. Maybe I someone think. at the club has said, Carl, maybe leave the... Uh, leaves the postman because i think because because the amount of shit that was flying around on social media and stuff like that after the gavin white comments yeah, yeah. um i think you're probably right i think somebody said that this let's try and get this let's try and get a handle on this mm. um so yes so uh, the right decision and you know it was you know he was just saying the the platitudes that you would expect a, a manager to okay. say after that nothing particularly interesting came out of it to be honest with you but um but no, it was it was a really good, really good uh, show, really good performance. Um, somebody actually on the radio, one of the people phoning in, said it was a really good point: is that that it was a, a fantastic performance by all of our senior pros. Yeah. So all of our that senior players see. really properly came to the party. So in a really fucking big game. It granted one of the more easy games, but nevertheless a really big game. You want your, your experienced pros to come in and do yeah. a job, and and to to their to their credit, they all did. Well, it was a, a must-win game, and Oxford duly delivered. I think let's take a little break, uh, and when we come back, we'll just finish off with some more Carl stuff. We'll do a little bit of a uh, little bit of Royals just to give our Royals fans something during this international break, and then we'll talk a little bit about England. Carl Robinson here. People tell me this is just a podcast. But it's so much more than that. Let's talk then a little bit about Carl Robinson. So although we picked up, uh, not not that we talked about Carl Robinson enough on this podcast, mm-hmm. um, but he's picked up the three points that had to be picked up. Does that change the situation? Well, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't change how I feel about him. Um, I think the events of the week that we mentioned about Gavin White um, and his and what I consider Carl Robinson's serious lack of professionalism yeah. um, in terms of his comments, not just his comments to and towards the Northern Ireland manager, but but his comments about one of his own players as well, undermining his own players. Um, I I I, th- I think though I I'm not comfortable or happy having a manager who 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 behaves like that like you know but an international football manager coming out and basically bad mouthing our manager in front of the international media um i'm i'm not happy with that 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 genuinely makes me feel uncomfortable i don't like our club having that kind of reputation you 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 compare that with the reputation that we had over the last few years um, previously which was Everybody was looking at us as a professional up and coming and a really kind of well thought of football club. Um, And that's all kind of being trashed because of Carl Robinson's massive lack of professionalism. Um, Nevertheless, um, you know, we, you know, you say it's a must win game and we've gone and won it. So, Ironically, we well not ironically, but but weirdly, we're we kind of in a bit of no man's land now because the job that he, they needed to do today, they have done it. So all we can really need, now do is look at the next game. Now, interestingly, the next game is 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 a fascinating one because we've got Bristol Rovers away. Yeah, Bristol Rovers are all over the fucking shop at the moment. So we have to go and do that again. So even if we if we go away. And we beat Bristol Rovers. Then again, all that's saying is we're better than the two worst teams in the league. You only need to be better than four. So. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, so, so that's so that's a start. So that's kind of moving on its progress. But 
I would I would look at that Bristol Rovers game and say that we 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 need to win that one as well yeah. because if we if we if we bounce you know because you've you've got to keep momentum going after you win a game right so you need we need to try and get some kind of run of confidence and stuff yeah. get going um, and if we beat the worst team in the league and then come up against potentially the second worst team in the league and then fail to capitalize sure. then then we then we then we're never going to manage it because it's, every time we get a win we're going to come up against somebody else and then just going to fuck it up again well it's a, um, it's a game of get 40ish points isn't it that's what it is it's a game of get 40ish points and is Carl Robinson the guy to deliver those 40 points well i mean people did some calculations and i think they basically said we've effectively effectively got to win prior to today effectively got to win 50 games right um in our remaining 35 yeah, should give no you seven, no i think it was 17 i should think. give you 45 points something, or something like, like anyway but but anyway it's um that's but it's it's either win that number or accumulate sure. that number of points because you yeah. know you can draw a few as well or whatever um um so no i mean i i'm i'm, I'm not com- i'm yet to be convinced I, I i think we've like i said i've said all the way along i think we've got players that can do a job i think i think the the, the players that we have um uh are good enough that we we shouldn't go down absolutely but it's whether or not the manager is capable of finding that formula well actually i think he has in the last couple of games at least shown that he's willing to change and yeah. his is is looking at maybe making some changes here and there um be interesting to know how much input into the change of formations that that Sean Derry or Derek Vizakali have had mm-hmm. um because obviously, at one point, it was all just Carl Robinson. This is how I'm going to play our. This is how we're going to play our game of football. So, I don't know. Um, effectively, today hasn't answered any questions. Um, yeah, what I was about we, to say. What is we, we're 13 games in now. Mm-hmm, that's a quarter of the season. It really, yeah, it is. How far do you think before you get a real view? Do you think we're far enough in to know enough about Oxford to know how they're going to finish this season now? I mean, I've, I've, I've always said largely no point looking at the league um, until kind of November, December, mm. to, to get a, a rough idea of how clubs are actually going to end. Um, but, you know, you still, always, you still always get clubs that go on a bit of a run and clubs that go on a massive slide and stuff like that. Um, I think... I think if we if if we're still in this position yeah. in mid November, then I, I would say he's got to go. On the basis that you what you do is you get somebody in who's got time to look look at the the busy Christmas period to learn about the players that he has got, and then look at January to see what changes they need to make. Sure, because- that has always been my concern though a little bit because the festive period is the biggest, it's the most important part of the football league season. Mm-hmm. And do you want to have a new man in then? Or do you want to take the risk? Because you still have the January, you still have 30 days in January to make your transfers or whatever. Um, is it worth, you know, is it worth changing in advance to try and get something out of that Christmas period? Or is it worth letting your manager get through that Christmas period and then making a decision in January? Um, no, I mean, we, did, we, we got rid of our manager in January last year. Um, that didn't work out for us particularly yeah. well. I think you've got to give them. I think you've got to give a new person time to take a run up at January, so they're not just making panic signings in January. Um, um, you need to have a good solid group around the manager though at that time because you're going to end up with five games in ten days. No, it's, it's not that crazy. It's five games in like fifteen days or something mm-hmm. mad. Um, 
and, and that's a tough that's a tough it, gig for a manager that understands the club, let alone one that's coming straight into it. Yeah, but 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 at the same time, if you if if, if the manager you're get if the manager you have is getting you fewer than one point a game, sure, then actually having yeah, fucking okay. five games in five days means well at the most you're going to get three points from those five games. So actually, you know, I so I'd argue that there is there is yeah, a strong yeah. argument for making that change at that point. But and I will go back to what I've been saying previously is that I. I if we if if we get rid of him, we can only get rid of him when we've got somebody good lined up to come in and replace him. Absolutely, There's yeah. absolutely no point. As you said, the point, the phrase you said, you replace a manager, you don't yeah. sack a manager. Um, so we have to have somebody good who's who's going to be capable lined up effective, effectively, which essentially means that you're looking for somebody who is already currently out of work. Yeah, yeah. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't people. There are people around. And but- is there anybody on your radar then? Well, Steve Bruce is obviously a name that's around now after the Aston Villa nah, stuff. He's not going to come down to League One. Um, I mean, with the fact is we're going to have to pay off Carl Robinson, so we're, we're, yeah. we haven't got a pot to piss in as, it's, as, as it is anyway. Um, so with the fact we're going to pay him off, we're not going to be able to get a big money mm. person in. I mean, there are people around. There's, I mean, like, like I think it's like Simon Grayson, who was um, former Bradford, yeah. Bradford manager. Now, when we sacked Pep Clotet, he was one of the play- managers that everybody was really keen to to, to have in. I mean, they, they no. then, then had a bit of a shit run with Bradford and got sacked. But... Um, but nevertheless, so there are people like that out there. Yeah. You know, there are the half the list of people that were we were associated with, and people going, oh, "I'd be pretty pleased with that." When Pep was um, still looking for work, Brian McDermott, former former Reading manager, he's currently out of work. So, so there are people out there that people would look at and go, "He could probably do a job at League One," mm-hmm. and he's and he understands kind of, you know, mid lower league football enough that he would probably be able to come in and do a bit of a job. So. Um, so I, it's not that I have there's a particular person that I would like us to put in in his place, um, but that's not my job to do that. And, sure. and, and they, you know, they'll have a sit down. The, the, the board will sit down. They'll go through who's available, who's not available, um, and they will they will then actually then have to make a decision on that kind of thing. Um, and also, we you know we're coming up to sacking season as well, so you know so there's probably going to be some other managers flying around all over the shop. So there we go. So I think despite the victory at home to Plymouth uh, to the Argyle uh, today, not enough maybe to save Carl Robinson's future. Well, I mean, you know, it's it, it's a start. It's just, it depends on how we go on from here. You yeah. know, that's that today. Like I said, today has answered absolutely zero questions apart from. Are we as bad as Plymouth? And no, we're not. Because nobody, apart from possibly Macclesfield, Mm. are as bad as Plymouth. Right, great stuff. Well, before we move uh, to talk a little bit about England, I was just going to have a little mensch uh, for the Royals, uh, who will be playing uh, Millwall on the next next league fixture, which is a home game on the Saturday 20th. Uh, Another big game, home game against a low-lying team. Millwall also only two wins this season. They picked up the second of their two wins against Aston Villa at the famous Cabbage incident. Yeah. Um, so there is an opportunity there to pick up some points against Millwall. And what I've noticed is that although uh, there, there was so much negativity about about Clement, and there's been a general like shitty feeling from people giving the club a lot of grief and all this yeah, kind yeah. of stuff, a lot of it I think is not not necessary because people are talking about Ron Gourlay and saying Gourlay out the board and all this stuff. I don't think people know enough about what's happening inside the football club to make those statements. They just see that we're not winning games and they're yeah. upset. Yeah. It's very rare at Reading to hear that like bored out kind of charm. We never really heard that kind of shit before. And most of that is because we've always had Medeski, who is a guy that we trust 
up yeah, in yeah. that position. And now we have Rongole, who's a bit of a sleazy bastard, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I really don't think that's the issue. And I think there is now a feeling from the fans that I think we might have to stick with Clement for a bit because I don't think the board's going to change anything. So let's maybe start to look at a few positives. And although um, we are having a, a rough trot, we did play fantastically well in the first half against West Brom. We... You know, on another day, we might have got away with that, but we fell apart in a way that I think is is really more to do with the matches that have gone before than the actual players and performance in that game. Yeah, and also, because you took the lead against West Brom, right? And, and you know, that in of itself was a huge surprise. And, yeah. and actually, in, in, in many ways, that, that game probably, the, the end result was probably much worse having taken the lead. I think if you'd probably gone... A lot longer in the game, it, yeah. you know, goalless. You 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 might might have scraped something out of it, or even kind of nicked something. Well, yeah. That's probably quite unlikely, but but nevertheless, it's one of those things that when you when you go a goal up against a, t- a side that is better than you, um, it, it it's it's quite it's weirdly a dangerous thing to do because if they've got an extra gear, or they've got more gears than you've got. Yeah. Then they're going to they're going to find using. them. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see. I think it's an important, very important game uh, against Millwall. And I was looking through the season list earlier, and the games never get any easier in the Championship. It's game after game with yeah. tough matches. Um, I'm, I'm looking really looking forward to the Bristol City game, which I think is home on on Saturday, the third of November. Just because I've got a couple of Bristol City mates who are going to come along to that game, it should be a bit of fun. Yeah, uh, and another game that we could get some something out of, hopefully. Um, and. I think I'm looking forward to hopefully the fans getting behind the team a little bit more. We're starting to find our 11. Um, Clement has realised that that midfield three of Bakuna, uh, Eza and uh, Swift is the way forward. So I'm hoping we're going to see that that midfield triangle more and more and more. And I'm convinced that over the season, that's going to pay some dividends if we keep playing with that. Yeah, and, um, you know, I think there's... There's, there's, there's going to be some change. That, you know, this stage of the season gets quite interesting because you get there are the sides that are just suddenly finding their feet and are kind of getting the sense that Reading are actually just starting to slowly find their feet a little bit. Um, and then you have other sides like because Rotherham have struggled and Millwall yeah. have struggled that they they suddenly get after a, a moderately bad start to the season they, they 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 don't find their feet and can get suddenly dragged into things. Well, let's let's hope so. Uh, right, we're going to take a little quick break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about England's Nations League game. Thanks a lot, boys. I feel much better now. So, England continue their journey in the Nations League by playing Croatia away in a very, very weird game. Yeah, I, so I'm going to have to rely on you because I didn't see this ah, game. Ah, okay. I went, it's uh, on Sky. I don't know, Sky. I watched it in the pub. Uh, last okay. night I didn't okay. even know it was on to be perfectly no, no. honest but I was going to the pub anyway we walked in it was on the telly box lovely um, because some idiot in Croatia uh, burnt a swastika into the pitch what a few a fucking, weeks ago like, what a completely fucking stupid <sighs> unbelievable thing. honestly what did they actually think was going to what, what, what the fuck what, I what think, the fuck I think they thought that Hitler was going to rise up out of that burnt swastika Come back into the world and continue uh, his mission of Aryan domination. Right. Okay. And I'm, I'm sure that would have started in Croatia. <laughs> I say like he's yeah. Let's let's yeah. Let's what a bunch of fucking dickheads. Yeah. Anyway. So because of that, they had to play the game as they say behind closed doors, which is nonsense because all games are played behind closed doors. But <laughs> in this case, it's played behind closed doors, but with no fans in it. Yeah. So quick question on that, and yeah. and, and I I don't know the answer, and there may be a very sensible answer to this, mm-hmm. but a friend of mine posed this question: is that when a side do something is you know is 
fucking ridiculous and heinous is burning a swastika in a pitch. And, Let me, and let's be clear, it's not the side that did that. We don't know. We don't. Luca Modric didn't do that. I know Luca. <laughs> no, I'm sure he didn't. Um, but no, okay. Look, but like you know, so they're punished. They get punished, they get punished for that. Yeah. But but it is why, why does that punishment extend to the team who they just unfortunately happen to be playing? Yes. So why isn't that a 100 percent England crowd? I agree. It's a funny one. I don't know what the answer is. It's fucking ridiculous. But England fans were there. So England fans were there. They didn't make it inside the stadium, but they did make it onto a sort of onto a sort of wooded bank overlooking the ground. Now I always have like I kind of have like uh, a degree of admiration and respect for people who are, who who a little bit of a Jeez, are you sure about that? <laughs> uh, about people who like follow their 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 club like to the, the ends of the earth, backwards yeah. and forwards, all over the country, all over Europe, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but you know, fair play. But but to to to, to go to Croatia to watch a football match that you are not going to be allowed to watch. Yeah. Jesus, <laughs> it's, it's something. They brought flags. They strung the flags up in the trees and everything. It was amazing. Absolutely mental. Yeah. So anyway, and they were very, very disappointed because they saw a <laughs> dour <laughs> draw, um, in which neither uh, of the World Cup semi-finalists looked worthy of that moniker. Uh, and in particular, I wanted to uh, give a mention to our friend Mr. Bacon Rashers, mm-hmm. uh, who missed three absolute golden opportunities really uh and i put the blame firmly on one man jose Mourinho. jose Mourinho, indeed uh for destroying poor old bacon's uh confidence um he he was put through a number of times on his right side his better side opening up his body like a young thierry Henry, and then miserably rolling it to the goalkeeper it's going to be horrible it's going to be it's going to be great to watch him uh when Mourinho finally gets sacked (laughs) Yeah. Like just just to see him come into Burst his own, into yeah, life. exactly. Yeah. So it was a little bit sad to see England looked looked fine and, and in spells looked very very good. And you're starting to notice passing capabilities and ball retention capabilities that we haven't seen an England team before for a long time. That's quite nice to hear. Yeah. Um, what about this young chap? Who's it? Was it Borussia Dortmund? Jaden Sancho. Yeah. How did he get on? Um, <laughs> there was a lovely moment uh, about the 60th minute. Southie G, uh, Strong Muff, is on the uh, in his box. He's in his technical box. He's uh, hands on hips, just looking around, and you can see little Jaden Sancho on the bench. And Southgate turns around and looks at the bench, and Sancho's like, oh. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. and then south he just turns around he's ah like, oh, he was so excited he was so excited but in about the 80th minute i guess uh he got his chance uh rahim uh found his way off the pitch after another slightly disappointing game um and on came Jaden sancho excellent i think he touched the ball two or three times okay uh but it was nice it was nice i got out there i put a little cheeky bet on him he came off the bench 25 to 1 sancho to score the winning goal didn't happen oh, that's a shame um but yeah no it's really Really good to see, and it's good to see us opening up our doors to maybe the, the you know a, a less uh, public f- figure yeah. in that team. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm I I got a lot of admiration for for him because he was you know Man City wasn't he, and he wasn't going to get a game. Just turning out the under twenty threes again and again and again, yeah. and he just and, and like lots of players have done, um, but not enough. They've gone. What the fucking hell am I doing this? Exactly, this is meaningless. Yeah. Absolutely meaningless. I'm never going to be used here. 
Um, so, you know, just go and spread your wings. See, see, see where else you can go and play. You know, we've seen lots of players doing it, dropping down the divisions yeah. a little bit. Obviously, Kemar Roof is a prime example of that. When West Brom were in the Premier League, he was sat there in their kind of reserves, not good enough to play, no, sorry, too good rather to be playing in the under-23s and not good enough to break into the first-team squad. Yeah. And so he dropped down to League Two and actually yeah. then, you know, on loan and then actually ended up signing a, a, a contract with us. And... And and that kind of thing, it's great to see because I'm I'm absolutely fucking sick to death of this ridiculous hoarding of footballers. I know. Um, I, I was talking. I was talking last night actually when when we were in the pub. I was I was saying there's a couple of players I'd like to come to Reading on loan in January. Two fantastic players that aren't playing any minutes for their clubs. Get them in. Yeah. Danny and, Drinkwater at yeah. Chelsea and Jason Punch at Crystal Palace. Yeah. Imagine them in the team. That'd Get be alright, wouldn't it? It would be alright. I mean, you probably they have... might as well. What else are well, they going to do? And this, and this is the re- this is a really fun. And I'm hoping people look at Jaden Sancho and, and they'll they'll go. Jesus Christ, he's now just like just like months effectively after yeah. after leaving. He's yeah. playing first team football in 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 the Bundesliga and is team, suddenly team that's got Champions League football, right? Yeah, as well, yeah. and it's and is and has suddenly made his way into the England squad. That could be me, and I and I want to see all of the quality players now just. Fucking like rats from sinking ships yeah. just disappearing out of the academy system. Well, to wind you up a little bit more, I hadn't really realised this, but because he played last night, I, I, I saw it. Mateo Kovacic, the uh, Croatian midfielder who plays for Real Madrid, is mm. currently on loan and starting games for Chelsea. Just think about that for a second. <laughs> what is fu- shut it all fucking down it's ridiculous right well there we go so I think that re- brings us to the end of a slightly shorter podcast because obviously we haven't had too much action going on uh, uh, in the uh, football league this week I think we may have missed some stuff in league 2 I'm sorry there's so much going on Andy there is it's loads going on um, Swindon lost today poor old Swindon did they that's news, oh that's a nice little yeah, mensch for those yeah. boys down and there. Um, one other thing that is worth mentioning yeah. is that Exeter beat Port Vale by, I think it's six goals to two. <laughs> That's a great result. Which is a magnificent scoreline. A very quick note, note yeah. as well, actually, the, the fucking knobhead who, who now owns Leeds United, mm. who's also the, the chairman or like owner of that 11 sports TV company, oh, yes. yeah, yeah. he was calling for a Premier League two. Effectively, oh, what, he's, what he's saying is that they want the championship to close off and, and negotiate its own TV rights to do effectively what the Premier League has done. But all he's trying to do there... Because Leeds will probably get out of the championship this season. That's yeah. not to benefit Leeds. That's because he wants to yeah. bid for the rights with his fucking TV pro yeah. TV channel. It's so, so fucking... Oh, I, I, I'm so tired all right. of twats in football. Let's calm it down. All right. Okay. So uh, I think that brings us uh, towards the end of this episode. So I'm going to have to ask you, Andy, to say goodbye. Yep. Cheerio, everyone. And it's goodbye from me, Si. Uh, and we'll catch you next time. You can find us on worldypod at gmail.com. You can find us on uh, Instagram and Twitter at worldypod. Uh, and you can find your pods on Instagram, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, and all those other places where you find your podcast. And we'll see you next week on Worldy. That is the worst setup I've ever seen. Look at it.